to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's actually the verse that we just uh, read. Uh, Tony just read that, but we're going to go through that one more time. It's in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have the scripture on the screen, and I'm going to go ahead and read that for you today. So it says, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so today we're starting a brand new series, and we're calling it The Four Gifts of Christmas. And what we're going to do is we're going to sort of unpack each of these names that the prophet Isaiah gives to our Savior uh, in the Old Testament. We'll be talking about each one of those. So it's going to be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so today we're going to start with the first one, and the first one is Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Okay. So that's, that's the, to- the topic of today, is, 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 is Jesus as our wonderful counselor. So I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we are in a pandemic right now. We're in a pandemic of anxiety. We're in a pandemic of depression. We're in a pandemic of dissatisfaction. We're in a pandemic of, of anger. It just seems like everyone has some sort of a spiritual, mental, or something that they are dealing with that is outside of their control. It seems to be everywhere. And there are, and there are so many sources of help out there right now. You know, the counseling is, is available for many people. Uh, counseling is a, is a growing market. More and more people need counseling, marriage counseling, family therapy, uh, depression, anxiety. People need a, a life coach. You know, these, these people that come alongside you and help you through the things that you are, that you're going through. Now, when I grew up, there was none of that. Like, some of you guys know I grew up as a missionary in a third world country, and if you had things that you were dealing with, it was like, you just deal with it. Like, you, just, you feel sad, like, just deal with your sadness. If you feel anxiety, it's like, just, you know, kind of figure it out on your own. And there's, good, there's a good and a bad side to that. You know, the, the bad side is that many people will go through their entire lives with a, with a situation that they're dealing with, and they're completely undiagnosed. But the bad side of it is that some people will have a diagnosis and they'll use that diagnosis as a reason or an excuse to not get their, life in or, their lives in order. Does that make sense? There's, there's two sides to it. Now, I believe counseling can be very helpful for a season, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is that, that no matter how much training your counselor has, no matter how much experience your counselor has, no matter how much talent your counselor has, there is one way in which he is always going to fall short. He or she is always going to fall short. And it's in the fact that, that this counselor will never accurately know 100% what that person is going through, genuinely. They won't actually know what it is that they're going through. The patient can explain it. The patient can give you examples. The patient can tell you all the stories. The patient can can narrate all the traumas that they've been through. And the counselor can can try and know as best as possible based on the information that you have given him or her tools and exercises to get through the thing that you are going through. But there are a couple things that this counselor will never be able to do. Number one, will never be able to relate completely because every experience of every single person is so infinitely different or unique. And number two, 
is that this counselor, the only source of help that will be able to be given to you is from yourself. Like you got to help yourself out of this problem. And the problem is that when we seek within ourselves to be able to resolve the problems that we have in ourselves, the problem is we didn't create ourselves. So if you, if you didn't create yourself, it is very likely that you're not going to know exactly how to resolve the problem because you didn't create yourself. There's a story I heard once about uh, Henry Ford, you know, the, the creator of the first or one of the first um, cars, the Model T, back in the 18, uh, 19, I think early 1900s. And so there's the Model T, and I don't know kind of the other cars that, that he made, the names of them, but there's the story that they talk about sometimes, and it's, um, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's an interesting story. This guy's driving his old car, his old Ford, and he break, his Ford breaks down. You know, he's like, oh, my car you know, broke down. What am I going to do? So he opens up the hood, and he looks at it like, like I would do if my car had a problem. I open the hood. I'm like, I don't know why I even bothered to open this thing. Like, I'm just looking, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm hoping to see some obvious thing that I can just fix easily. But anyway, he was kind of trying to figure it out, and this man comes by and says, can I, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, well, I don't know if you can help me because, you know, back then, you know, not many people had cars, so it was strange to find someone that could actually fix a car. So he's like, okay, give it, you know, give it, give it a shot. And he opens it up. And he's like, okay, I know what the problem is. So he moves some things around. He starts the car, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this was great. You, you fixed my car. Um, how did you know how to fix my car? He's like, well, I'm actually Henry Ford. And so the reason why that story is interesting is because the reason why he knew how to fix the car is because he knew everything about the car. Why did he know everything about the car? Because he created the car. The same thing is true for you. The reason why you need to go to God because, because the only person that actually knows you is the person who created you. And so if you have a problem, he knows exactly how to fix you because God created you. And so here's the, the reason why I'm bringing all this up is that I'm not saying that counseling is not useful. But my question is, why would you go to anyone else first? I grew up in a culture where counseling uh, and psychology were not only seen as something negative, but something, uh, something demonic. And I don't believe that that's true anymore at all. I don't, I don't think that that's ever been true. But the problem is that sometimes we use God... As our, as our last resource, when he should be our first response. We should go to God first. Like, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with counseling. I'm saying, why would we go to anyone else before our mighty counselor? Why would we go to anyone other than our wonderful counselor? You see, Jesus is not just any type of counselor. The Bible tells us he's a, a wonderful counselor. And I want to give you one of the reasons here. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 talks about, about who Jesus is. It says this, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, Jesus was 100% human, right? When he came into the earth, he was 100% human. So he went through all of the things that any human could ever go through. So he can be familiarized with our greatest pain and with our deepest joy. 
And on the other hand, he can also help us in a way that no one else could ever help us because he's the one that created us. So, number one, he can relate completely with everything that you're going through. And he also created us so he knows everything about us. Who else would we go to? See, this counselor who was prophesied to us by Isaiah actually came into the world. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, rose from the dead. And then when he left, something amazing happened, which Jesus talks about in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says this. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is good that I am going away. So when Jesus was going to leave, he says, I'm going to leave, but it's actually going to be good for you that I leave. Because unless I go away, it says the advocate, or another translation is the counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So then Jesus leaves. And then we read about it in Acts chapter 2. The disciples were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and, and uh, enters into the lives of each of the disciples. Another word for the Holy Spirit in the Greek is um, uh, parakletos, which can be translated not just counselor, but also advocate, intercessor, comforter, helper, consoler basically someone who has your back someone who is there for you not just some something that we read about or someone that we read about in the scripture but someone who is actually here for you and for me someone who is here cheering you on saying let's go you got this let's do this together you see i grew up believing that god was not for me i didn't believe god was was for me I didn't think that God was necessarily against me, but he was, he was certainly not cheering me on. It was more like he would, he would tolerate me. It's like, oh, there he goes again. You know, let's try again next time. Like it was like his default was disappointment toward me. I never thought of him as my advocate, counselor, intercessor, comforter, help, helper, or consoler. This is what Isaiah was referring to when he said wonderful counselor. You see... He's not just your average counselor who will help you if you pay him or her. He is here for you every single day, free of charge. How many of you guys know someone who's suffering from depression and anxiety today? If you're suffering from anxiety, don't raise your hand. If you know someone who's suffering from, from that, you see many of you, many of us here. Let me give you a word of advice because I, I have very close people in my, in my life that suffer from this. Things you should never tell someone who's depressed or is suffering anxiety. Don't ever, t don't ever, this is kind of a side note. Don't ever say this. I don't think it's depression. Don't ever say you have no reason to be sad. Don't ever say you're just being selfish. Don't ever say it's all in your head. Don't ever say, look at me. I've been through more and I'm fine. And don't ever say you are just lacking faith. See, there's a problem with that because sometimes we, we try to help. And I understand we help. But let's not tell anyone that, that we can relate when we really can't. Let's not tell anyone that we understand when we, when we really don't. However, there is one who can fully relate. And there is one who can fully understand. And his name is Jesus this is why he's our wonderful counselor. And if there's something I know, is that in a, in a, in a room this size with, with this amount of people in it, I know 
that there are people who are struggling right now. And this struggle, whether it's financial, relational, illness, worry, hopelessness, stress, like whatever it is, the thing that you are going through is causing you to feel anxious. It's causing you to feel anxiety or depression. And so I think that it's very likely that some of you, perhaps many of you, need to book an appointment with a wonderful counselor. And not make him your last resort, but make him your first response. You see, I, I, I talk to a lot of people throughout the week, and, and sometimes people come to Jesus as their last resort. Like, okay, we've tried everything. We've tried absolutely everything, so I think I'm going to start coming back to church. I'm going to come back to, to the Lord like the last thing. Like, I've worked through all these things. I'm like, nothing's working, so I guess I'll, I'll come, back, come back to Jesus. No, no, no. First response. You see, it says in verse... Uh, 16 of Hebrews, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what I'm trying to say is let's go to God first. Let's go to God first. So the question now becomes how? Like, okay, pastor, you convinced me that, that he's our wonderful counselor, that we should go to him first, like he's the best person that we could ever go to, but my, the question now becomes How? Like, how am I supposed to to do this? How do I approach God? Because a human counselor seems more real. Like, I can actually talk to him and he'll answer me. How do I approach God becomes the question now. Well, you pray. Now, I want to stop here. Because, like, okay, yeah, just, just, you know, just pray about it. Seems like something that that is some sort of like a cop-out. And I grew up believing this. Like, you say, you tell someone to pray, and it's like, yeah, yeah, just, just pray about it. You know, it seemed like, like a, a way of sort of brushing off the problem. Like, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Like, really? You know, I'll be praying for you. Okay, uh, you just need to pray more about this. Okay, let me, let me pray about it, and I'll get back to you. It always seemed to me like, in a way, it was a, a cop-out. And in some cases, it, it could be. But the reason for that is because it is possible that we don't understand prayer, that we don't understand what's actually going on when we're, when we're praying for someone or when we are praying. Like, let, let me ask you a question. What, is there anything better that anyone could do for anyone than pray for them? Like, like what's better than, than praying for someone or you praying? Like, what's better like, your advice is going to be better. My advice is going to be better. My, my wisdom is going to be better. Like, go to a therapist. Like, that might help you more. Like, like let me ask you a question. What, what can be more powerful and more significant to talk to the creator of the universe to intercede for a situation? What could be better than to talk to the person who who knows the moment you're going to enter this earth and knows the moment you're going to leave this earth? What better to talk to the person that knows every single cell in your body and how it functions? What better than to talk to the, the one who speaks the universe into existence? Like we have access to that. Praying for someone is not a cop out. It is literally the thing that can make the biggest the biggest difference. So the question becomes now, how do, we, how do we do this? The Apostle Paul gives us a little bit of a, a guideline here on how, how to do this. If we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 6, it says this. It's a very no, well-known verse here. He says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So this is how it works. In every situation that you're in, like in every situation that you and I are in, whether it's anxiety, depression, you feel sad, relationships, confusion, addiction, debt, like whatever it is that you are going through, it says present this request to God. But the problem is, I don't think we quite understand what it means to present a request to God. So I want to try to explain it in a, in a certain way here. Hope you can follow me along. So, so here's the backpack, okay? So in this backpack is all of my problems and all of my anxieties and all the situations that I'm going through. And so let's just say, let's just say you're coming to church like, okay, I'm going to walk down the aisle here. Hopefully you can, you can, you can follow me. Not follow me physically, but like follow me with your eyes. And so many of you, what happens is you come into church, right? And so you got this, you got this backpack over here. And, and in this backpack, you've got, you've got all of your problems. So you come into church and you're like, okay, good. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to take out this backpack. And man, oh man, it feels great here. So you come to church, right? So you come inside, you know, maybe you, you sit down for a little bit here, right? You stand up, you know, you worship the Lord. You all that, you sit down, you listen to the message, you know, maybe you give an offering, and then you go back home, right? So you feel great because it was a great service, you enjoyed it, but here's the problem is you, you, you go back and then you pick up the same backpack and then you leave. And then you're wondering, why, why do I feel like I don't have any, any peace? Like, why, do I st- why does my life still feel like it's so, so heavy, well, the problem is that what you did was you, you took all of your problems and all your anxieties and you left them at the door and you walked into service and you felt a little bit better, but then when you left, you, pick, you picked it up again. And so presenting your request to God is much more than just talking to God about your problems. You see, sometimes what we do is we... We pray to God, and so we've got this backpack that we're carrying, and we're, we're praying to God, and we don't understand what it means to present our request, and so what we do is like, God, here's, look, let me just show you all the problems that I got. You see that? You see that anxiety? You see the depression? You see the problems, the finances, my relational problems? You see all that stuff? That's terrible. God, please help me. And then you just close it up again. And then you carry it again. You put it right back on your back. And see, the problem is that's not what we're called to do. You see, Peter also talks about this. And we, we see it in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says he's going to give us rest. But many times we don't feel rest because we haven't actually presented our request. First um, Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him because he, he cares for you. And Peter is a fisherman. He's like casting out the net, right? So it's once you, it's like cast it, you know, let it go. So if I, I was thinking about just kind of grabbing this and throwing it, but I don't want to hurt anybody. But basically what it is, is you do this. God, here are all my problems. It's, that's, now that's your problem. And then you walk away from them. Okay, that's when you start feeling peace in your heart. You see, my mom did that with me. There was many times in her life where she, you know, I was like her full backpack. 
Like this was all me in here. You know, all the problems that she had somehow were related to things that I caused. Um, and she would talk to God about all the problems, but then she would put the backpack right back, right back on. But she told me one day, she made the decision. She's like, I literally handed you over to God. And she just went like this. He's your problem now. <laughs> and then she walked away. Okay? But the peace that she started feeling on the inside was the peace that is being described by the Apostle Paul. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that peace doesn't come as a result of all those prayers being answered. The peace comes as a result of understanding that all those things are no longer in your hands. And you can walk away because you know that he's got them. And so... It's important for us to understand this, that when we're presenting our request to God, we're, we're walking away, hopefully in, in peace. And there's another aspect to this verse that is very important. He says, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is very, very important. You, th- you see, before you present your request, he says, do it with thanksgiving. Now, why is thanksgiving so, so important? Like, Why does thanksgiving have to do with anything? Like, We're just presenting a request, but why is thanksgiving so important? Why should we give Give thanks. So let's just bear with me here for, for a moment. Before you present your request to God, think of the things that you have in your life that are good. And you may, you may think, like, there's nothing good because everything's bad right now in my life. Okay, that's not true. That's, there's no way that that's true. There are things in your life that are blessings. Start with your breath. Every breath is a gift from God. The people you have around you, the clothes, Food, like things that you can think of and you start thinking about all these things, you start listing all of these things that you're grateful, your relationships, healthcare, you know, et cetera, anything that you can, that you can think of. And then you, you continue in this state of gratitude. You're, you're giving God thanks and you thank him and you thank him for the source of everything and you realize that Jesus is the source of all things and you come to a moment when you realize, and here's, this is the goal. The goal is that as a result of you giving thanks, you will come to a point to where you will realize that, that these things in here that you have in your backpack, even if God doesn't answer these requests the way you want him to answer them, that you're ultimately going to be okay because here's the thing. What we think that these things are inside here, like we think that... that if God answers A, B, and C, that that's the thing that's going to give us peace. But that's not true. What's gonna, the, the reality of this is that, is that Jesus is our ultimate source of peace. We think that if only this, if only that, if only that, if only that, that will give us peace. No, the realization that's going to take place as a result of your gratitude is that when you drop this here, you can walk away and you're like, you know what? Those things are important. But I know that I have the most important thing, which is Jesus. And so you have peace because your peace no longer depends on what happens over here. You already have peace because you are with Christ and that will never change. So that's the promise. The promise isn't the resolution of all of your problems. The promise is peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So John 14, 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be 
afraid. So there's a peace that the world offers, right? We know this. There's a peace that the world offers that is anything outside of Christ. Anything that offers you peace that is outside of Christ is a peace that the world offers that can't fully deliver because Christ is the only source of peace. John 16.33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me... You may have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so here's how I want to end. Jesus is called a wonderful counselor because he doesn't give you a pill. He doesn't give you therapy, he gives you himself. So the next time you feel anxiety, I want to invite you to come to the wonderful counselor first. Make him your first response, not your last resort. Start off by being grateful. Realize that Jesus is enough. Like all the things that you have come from a source, which is Jesus, and he'll always be there. Present your request. Don't just talk to him about your problems. Present your request, which means he's your, if this is your problem now, you walk away. Sometimes I know you'll tend to pick it back up and then drop it again and then walk away from it. And then receive this peace. And repeat that. And repeat that. Repeat that over and over again. Will you close your eyes and bow our heads here for, for a moment? I'm going to say a few things and then we're, we're going to pray. So, Lord God, we thank you today for, for your word. We thank you for your message. We thank you, God, because you truly know us. You truly, truly know us. And you know us not only because you have gone through the things that we've gone through, and even more, even better and even worse, but you also are our creator. So you know how to fix us too. So I pray, God, that you will help us to understand that the world offers help. And it's true, and it's not necessarily bad but that there's nothing that compares to you. So I pray, God, that we will cast all of our anxieties on you, that we will present our requests to you, and that we'll receive this peace that, that defies logic, that only comes from you. So we pray these things, and we, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.